The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Uh, right now, though, uh, on the Hard Shoulder, I want to talk about direct provision, which apparently must stop. It must stop depending on the private sector and there must be the establishment of new reception and integration centres, a specialised accommodation agency and better earlier dialogue with local communities. So says Dr. Catherine Day, former Secretary General of the European Commission and Chair of the Advisory Group on Direct Provision. She's with me now. Catherine, you are very, very welcome to the show. Could you maybe give me a, a summation, first of all, of the shortcomings of uh, at present with government strategy on direct provision? What needs to change? Well, for more than 20 years, we've been treating this as a temporary problem. And I think when you look at the state of the world today, we can see that everywhere people are fleeing from wars and famines and persecution. And it's very likely that people will continue to come to Ireland, maybe in varying numbers, but seeking asylum here. And so we we feel that um, the system of putting people into hotels and bed and breakfasts, first of all, it's not suitable, certainly not for families and for anybody long term. Secondly, it's a very expensive option for the state. And uh, we've now run out of that kind of accommodation. And some people who arrive in Ireland seeking asylum are homeless for weeks at a time. And that's something that the High Court has ruled is actually unlawful. So we're arguing that it's time to put all of this on a permanent footing. And that means that the state should have state-owned, state-run accommodation for people while they're going through the system of having their applications considered. And and the state, through the government, um, large parts of it would agree with you. And, and I've spoken to Minister Roderick O'Gorman about this and that, that commitments had been made to, to introducing these kind of these standalone reception and integration centres, yes. uh, several of them by the end of next year. There was meant to be, I think, three maybe up and running by this year and then the rest by the end of, of, of next year. And um, what That's they might right. point to now is is that uh, the, 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 the war in Ukraine just complicated matters beyond belief for them in terms of managing uh, uh, migration into this country. Well, that is, of course, true. I mean, nobody foresaw that. Uh, But at the same time, if the state had already had state-owned accommodation for asylum seekers who are treated differently legally than the Ukrainian refugees, uh, we wouldn't have had uh, quite the same amount of pressure on the beds and breakfasts and the hotels. So again, our point is that um, given where the state of the world now, we can expect to have numbers coming in the future. As I say, the numbers will fluctuate. But the state needs to live up to its national and international obligations to treat people seeking asylum properly. And that means providing them with a, a decent roof over their head while their applications are being considered. And the the purpose of the reception centres is also to introduce them to Ireland, uh, to help them get their health care, to teach, begin them begin English lessons if they need it, but also for us then to know what skills do they have? Um, would they be able to work? What kind of contribution could they make? Because everybody whose application is accepted is likely to stay here long term. They don't have anywhere else to go. So we, we feel that from the beginning, we should be working to integrate people who will be given permission to remain here so that they can integrate and have a new and fulfilling life here and make their contribution to Ireland. So is, is it your concern then that that um, the arrival here of, of 70,000 and upwards um, refugees fleeing that war in Ukraine, that, that it is not so much delayed, but it seems to have completely halted the progress in terms of, 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 of overhauling the direct provision system. That has just been long fingered while we deal with this pressing issue. 
Well, I think the arrival in a short space of time of so many people has completely overwhelmed the system. And because we had nothing else available, all these people then had to be accommodated either through the goodwill of private individuals or again in hotels and accommodation. And that has taken up a sizable amount of the tourist accommodation. And I know Board Fulcher and a lot of the hospitality industry um, have also been making that point to government that because so many hotel rooms are now contracted, to uh, provide accommodation for refugees of one kind or another that is actually having an economically adverse effect. So again, our main point is that we've got to stop teasing this as a temporary problem and we must provide um, state-owned accommodation that will be available. Uh, it, it may more be needed sometimes, less at other times, but we must have a basic core of state-owned accommodation that people can stay in in decency while um, their applications are being considered. And then the second point that we're making is that once people's applications are accepted, uh, they must be included in the future needs of housing, education, healthcare, everything in the country, because if their right to remain here is accepted by our fairly strict assessment system, then uh, they will be here long term and they must be counted into the population needs. Otherwise, otherwise that puts extra pressure on, on local services and it can give rise to some of the protests that we most unfortunately saw in, in recent months. Yeah, can, can you understanding while maybe disagreeing of sympathy with those people, some of those people. There's a whole range of views and maybe one of the traps we fall into is we, we kind of think of them as a homogenous group, but some of the people who protesting point at those issues. We don't have a GP. You know, we don't have a, a, a community nurse. We don't have the services we used to have. And Well, again, in our report, first of all, we say that um, it's not acceptable to only announce to um, local communities that people are arriving tomorrow. There has to be um, a full, long consultation and discussion with local communities. Um, and some of the points that people make are absolutely right. And we, we are um, recommending to the government that they should offer incentives to local communities, you know, an extra teacher, an extra GP, better transport links, because if the number of people using the services is going to increase, then um, the services need to be increased in response. And if we can get ahead of this, we should be doing that in advance of people moving into a new locality. And I think that would be enormously helpful in terms of preparing a welcome for people who, as I say, are fleeing uh, war and atrocity. And I think most Irish people, when they meet the asylum seekers and hear their stories, they're very sympathetic. But we need to to just deal with this um, on a permanent professional basis and to prepare in advance, not always to be scrabbling around at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. And listen, maybe um, uh, the the old adage of it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission isn't exactly a professional approach. But at the same time, you can understand when you see some of the protests why there might be an, an, an unofficial policy of, of doing this last minute. They don't want telegram groups kind of lighting up with the news that there are refugees moving into, you know, the old hotel on the outskirts of town. And then suddenly, you know, maybe you don't get the people that we're talking about, the people who, who have a genuine concern about there being a lack of services. Maybe they've been, um, um, uh, uh, that their concerns have been met. Uh, through con- consultation. But what you get is a much more malign element then with, with forewarning, protesting. I think the malign element is very small and we're fortunate in that. I think if we have um, an upfront con- consultation, conversation, discussion, listening and reacting to any concerns people have, you would then have a different uh, landscape, a different 
a different preparation for people to come. And as we say, it shouldn't be last minute. That nobody should be taken by surprise. That that's not good for anybody. And again, we need to stop treating this as a short term. Uh, set of incidents. We need to prepare for uh, a different conversation with people so that they understand why people uh, leave their homes, their families, everything to seek uh, safety elsewhere, the contributions they can bring to the community and, and to the country. And generally just to to have a, a long-term, mature uh, policy for how we handle these things that will continue in the future. And does that long-term mature policy need to include a cap in any given year on the numbers that the country can absorb? Well, I think you have to make a difference between economic migration, um, when people come for economic reasons, though that's a flow of an inward flow which governments can control by deciding how many work permits and visas they grant. Um, but for people seeking asylum who have both n- under Irish law and international law, the right if they get here to seek asylum, if they have a case that they are uh, being uh, tortured or uh, their lives are at risk or whatever, uh, that's not something you can calculate in advance. That depends on what's happening in the rest of the world. And that, that is why the numbers fluctuate. But they are a small number of people, you know. Um, and I think people too often confuse economic migration with um, asylum seeking. You have to go through a pretty rigorous uh, set of tests in order for your asylum application to be accepted. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, Thank you for your time, Catherine. As always, Dr. Catherine Day, who is a former uh, Secretary General of the European Commission and was chair of the advisory group uh, on direct provision. 087-1400-106, the WhatsApp number. I'd love to hear some people's views uh, on that because I know it's been a live issue over the last number of months particularly in the wake of protests in in different parts of this country we might come back to the issue a little bit later actually uh, on the show uh, today I doubt anybody listening will disagree with Catherine's broad point which is that the system needs to end the system as we have known it for 20 years direct provision but what do you make about that argument that local communities have to be consulted no more bussing in migrants and asylum seekers in the dead of night and extra resources possibly should be provided to those communities, be it extra general practitioners or teachers or what have you. And don't worry about malign far right protesters turning up then once you do tell the community in advance.